Welcome to Chat Ed Pod, a podcast with two friends who love to talk and learn together. I'm Lacey. And I'm Annie. And this is an education podcast with the tagline, Education Conversations About Equity, Transformation, and Belonging. And Lacey, before we dive into it, I just want to say for all of you listening, my voice probably sounds a bit different. And that's because I've been in quarantine since for the last four days. I have um, tomorrow morning, I finally get to leave my bedroom. Um, but I have had COVID. Um, and so, yeah, so you, you get to hear this. Lacey and I were going to record a couple days ago, but I didn't have a voice. So this is much better than when we were going to record a couple days ago. So um, yes, my voice sounds a little different. Hopefully next time you hear us, it will be all better. But with that, Lacey, what are you reading, watching, or listening to right now? Well, as you know, yesterday was like a national holiday in my life because Abbott Elementary came back. <laughs> it came back. It was a one hour special. And so it was so funny because uh, my husband and I, we are, uh, we work with some college students. And so like, I, I let them know, like, I like this show. I, yes, I want to spend time with you all. Your college students, I love you. You're great. But my show is coming on tonight. And they were um, they were singing and it got to a point where I was like, all right, you only have three more minutes because I need to get home so I can see my show. And like we timed it to like the T. Like my husband pulled up to the driveway at 8.58 and the show started at nine o'clock Eastern time. I told my kids, I was like, don't ask me any questions. I don't, I don't care what you take for lunch tomorrow. I am going in the house and watching Abbott Elementary. Oh my God, you're ridiculous. Did your so, husband watch it with you or did he take care of the kids? So he took care of the kids and he watched some. And it was it was funny because I had to like go over the rules with him. Like when we watch live TV, like you can laugh, but you need to hold your laugh in so I can hear what's happening on the television. <laughs> so it was one part, my husband did like this full laugh, but I missed a part of the show. And then it went to commercial and I was like, no. Let's practice. I want you to practice. How do you laugh on watching live TV? Like, I can't rewind this. And he was like, Lacey, I'm not doing this. I said, well, maybe this is not for us. Maybe. <laughs> maybe you need to leave. <laughs> maybe you need to leave and not play music in the house while I'm trying to watch my show. Um, but yeah, so that's that's what I watched last night. And it was just, it's, it's just nice to to laugh and to kind of the, the laughing to keep from crying of like, the truth of educators and oh yeah things that you know we go through or that they go through because I'm not in the classroom they might be like I'm not one of them anymore it's okay <laughs> um but yeah but Annie what are you watching reading or listening to right now yeah so I have been stuck in my bedroom for the last four days um and so I have been binge watching a show that I thought was new but it is not because there's probably, I don't know, eight or nine seasons and some of the like kid actors on it. I'm like, wait a minute, that child on this screen is like five. And in real life, they're like 25 right now. So it's not a new show, but I like it. It's called Royal Pains. And it's basically this person um, who I think the main actor and I haven't looked it was in Wings, the show Wings, like back in the 90s. I don't know if anybody watched that. But anyways, it's about a concierge, con concierge doctor in the Hamptons. 
Um, and it's just like a medical show, like house or ER, or, you know, like any of those, like something happens at the beginning. You always know in the first 10 minutes, somebody's going to collapse or get hurt. And then the whole show is them figuring it out. And then there's a conclusion. Like it's very prescribed. I've even gotten to the point that I've watched so many that I know um, that when I can skip, you know, like do the 10 second skip because they always have the same like transition music or transition thing. So I like it. It's kept me um, entertained while I'm in my room. Um, so yeah, Royal Pains. I don't know when it came out. I should look. I should have looked before we got on, but I thought it was a new show, but it is not because um, it's obvious that these actors and actresses are <laughs> much younger than they are today. <laughs> so sometimes on Facebook, I watch like the, like the little, they have like the little clips of like shows that people. Oh, yeah kind of illegally I think put together <laughs> and, and so like sometimes I watch those but I found myself what yesterday I was having like some just my weird body pain I didn't know if I slept weird or I'm just getting older or, or just unhealthy um and so in my mind I was like I thought of one of those episodes I said like, what if it's a tapeworm growing inside <laughs> of my body I'm like oh my like what did I eat and how long is the tapeworm <laughs> yes. And I was like, Lacey, this is why, like, you you can't watch you should, this stuff. <laughs> I, you should not be watching a lot of things that you watch. Yeah, I know. I realized that late last night when I had probably watched, you know, seven or eight hours of this show. And I was like, I feel like, you know, like I'm starting to like feel like I'm getting sick or like my anxiety is starting to go. Maybe I'm having a heart attack or maybe it's this like weird thing. I was like, I got to stop watching this and I got to take my anxiety medicine. Like these two things are not mixing. <laughs> mm -hmm. Let me put on a murder podcast and say <laughs> we know how that that is. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yes. So to move on, one of the, the story that we're gonna talk about today is that um what's called the Esser Fiscal Cliff. If you're in education, you've probably heard about this, but the Esser funds um were given out to help support schools um basically kind of through through COVID. Um so the last few years. Um, states and districts have just had a lot of cash coming in through what's called the ESSER funds, which is the Elementary and Secondary School Emergency Relief Fund, also known as ESSER. Um, it was never designed to be sustainable or long-term, but basically to help schools during a, a time of need, while we were all experiencing a time of need um, throughout COVID. But um, they always knew it was ending and the ending is coming. Um, and schools are starting to feel that um, pressure and to know, like, we have these new staff, we have these new initiatives, we have, um, you know, more counseling staff or curriculum, and we're going to lose the funds that are supporting that. So that's what's called the Esser Clift, uh, Cliff. And basically, um, this article that we have is from Brookings, um, and it was by Marguerite Rosa and Catherine Silberstein. Um, and it was in September of last year is when this came out. But there's lots of um, information kind of coming out um, with school districts experiencing this. But essentially, it's going to impact districts serving high needs students kind of the most. It's going to impact a lot of people. But um, basically, this article says high poverty communities will see sharper impacts to their school budgets in part because of how ESSER funding was structured. At the onset, ESSER funds were intended to provide greater levels of support for high-need schools. Um, and then in the article, they provide a figure to kind of show 
Um, for schools at 100% free and reduced lunch, they got, you know, $6,200 um, per student. And for schools who had um, zero to 25% free and reduced lunch, they got about $1,300 per student. So schools with a lot of free and reduced lunch had got a lot of money um, and schools that didn't, didn't maybe experience as much of a, a cash flow, but that is going away. And so schools are really, when school districts are really scrambling um, to know how to continue to support their students to the best possible way they can without the funds, especially because a lot of schools, um, at least the ones that I know of, spent those funds on, you know, like social emotional support, school counselors, therapy, like those types of supports because of the impact of COVID. So Lacey, any kind of feedback or thoughts about this? Um, so I recently had an opportunity to go to a school um, and visit because I was having a meeting there. And I, this was an elementary school, and I was just surprised about the amount of social, emotional, like learning and support um, that teachers and educators are giving to students because students are truly needing it. Like there were multiple times kids were like, either screaming getting heard or like just so like once I was just appeared really angry and did not know like what to do in this school like they, they had a calming down area and so they would like the guidance counselor I believe that was the guidance counselor was trying to support the child um and I was leaving the school and I was able to like briefly kind of talk with the principal and say like well, that's it's a lot of social emotional learning happening and like they revealed to me, they said 20 plus years ago when they got into the field, they would have never thought that they would be spending this much time on trying to support students learning, you know, how to self-regulate, how to deal with their feelings, how to deal with them in a, uh, in a way where they're not harming themselves or harming others. Um, and so like, as we're thinking like, okay, you know, somebody might think, well, this money's going away. They didn't have it in the first place. But we have children who are still dealing with the effects of the pandemic. Um, we have families who are still trying to, like, you know, deal with, like, the child being in and out of school or um, just the stress of what, it, what it's like. You know, Annie's, Annie got the vid. She has COVID right now. And she's, like, in her room. And luckily, she has a job that still pays her. Like, some people, they might have lost their job or, you know, lost a family member, lost the income. So we have to consider all of these things and that this, we have to make sure that we're supporting schools and giving them funds that they can properly use to support the students. Yeah. And so with this kind of ESSER fund cliff, um, knowing that um, schools in states all over the country are going to really start to feel financial pressure, um, there's nothing to necessarily solve that from, you know, the listener's point of view or from mine and Lacey's point of view, but just knowledge that that is going to happen. And what can we maybe do as a community to to help support um, wh where those funds went, knowing that our students aren't going to be getting that support because there was no sustainability built in um, with a lot of schools. Yeah. And in the article, it says um, at the state level, we suggest leaders pencil out any proposed changes to revenue structures and find ways to ensure equity isn't lost in transition, end quote. Um, and I just thought, you know, 
that's that's such a just a good reminder because as stuff is getting cut sometimes if that identity isn't important to you or you know applicable to you it's easy to say oh well you know that person they don't need it though those those kids they don't need the snack packs on the weekend they have parents their parents can go to the store they'll be fine we can we'll find money somewhere else but to really making sure that you're considering equity and you're considering the needs of all the students. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> um, so the article is linked in um the show notes if you are interested in that, or there's a lot of um articles right now about the SR fiscal cliff. So to move on to our topic today, um, this came about um in my um position, um, in my like full-time job. Um, talking about we're very so the program that um I supervise is very strengths based and we work with lots of families in early childhood and it's very strengths based and so one of the things that um the leadership um kind of the staff uh, that I supervise um we talked a lot about is this idea known as gossip bursting debrief and so we were seeing a lot of um you know direct staff members um kind of having a, a gray area between are they gossiping about families or are they debriefing about families? And so we did um, some professional development around it. We're going to continue with some professional development around it. But I thought that this was a really good topic for Lacey and I to talk about because it's also kind of that teacher lounge, lounge effect. And so if you don't know what that is, basically the teacher lounge effect is like when we go into, when educators go into a teacher lounge or, you know, like a break room, um, a lot of times um, there can be some negative conversations about families, about students, about family choices, um, you know, like that family never has this or that family always has this and those types of conversations. I've experienced them as a as an educator. I'm sure Lacey has. Um, and so we're we're talking about gossiping versus debriefing because debriefing is strengths based. And the biggest difference is the adjectives that are used. And one of my um, coordinators, uh, one of my direct, one of my staff members really kind of brought this home for me. And it's really the adjectives that you're using to describe the family. Are you describing them from a more like biased point of view and talking really negatively about their life choices and maybe what their home looks like? Or are you talking about it and like, this is a fact, but here's what I can do to help support this family with this fact, right? Yes, um, you know, their house um, looks like it hasn't been, you know, swept or vacuumed in a year and a half, but here's what I can do to support them because, you know, like here, here's this strengths based. Um, they, they are keeping a house, right? They're paying rent at their house. They're providing food to their, their children. Like here are the good things. Let's see if we can use some of that in order to help build and debrief what I'm experiencing and what I can do to support that family. Um, so as I was talking about this with Lacey to talk about kind of um, this topic and why I wanted to bring this up, she was thinking about it from the perspective of our book, which love it because she always kinds of thinks about that. So Lacey, what was your kind of thought while I was saying this? So um, like I have, I, I've been black, I'm black. Oh, happy <laughs> Black History Month. I, Happy, Happy Black, Black History, History Month. That's right. Um, and so uh I have been in places where like I've had the meeting after the meeting, like as a black person, like I, you know, kind of talk to other black people, um, especially if something has kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Um, 
sorry, my alarm went off on my phone. So unprofessional. <laughs> uh, and so um like debriefing is is it's just kind of like what is my is what I'm used to like kind of talk about like the uh you know what went well what you know what, what can we work on what are our next steps kind of moving forward um but when when you're going in gossip a lot of times you are adding in your own bias so I am seeing a situation, adding in my bias, and I'm projecting my bias onto you. Like, I'm just like, I, I want you to see this person the way that I see this person. If I think they're lazy, if I think they're rude, if I think um, they're not a good parent, like, I'm going to, a lot of times use words and try to paint this image so that you can think the same thing um, instead of just presenting the facts. Um, and being aware also of what facts we choose to present. Because, uh, like, depending on when you interact with me, like, you might have a different perspective of me. If you see me, like, at the store, and I am, like, really, you know, one of my kids is feeling strong emotions, and I, like, have the capacity, and I'm sitting with them, and we're talking it through, you might be like, oh, my goodness, like, this is a loving mother super patient like I wish I could be this individual but if you see me on another day where I am easily frustrated and I'm telling my kids I am at my capacity like at this point my education is about to leave leave me alone <laughs> you you might see and be like oh my goodness she's irritable that is not a loving mother I never want to be like that um but being aware of the facts that we choose when we're talking or discussing families. Um, because like every family has some good. Well, most I I, I every family I want to say every family, but there are there are some out there that you're just like, mm, yeah, this really But isn't that having your bias show, Lacey? Yeah, it yes, it is. <laughs> this is the area of growth. And also for me, like my, like I've had, I have family members who were in foster care, who were abused as children. And so like, yes, you want to say every family has some good, but there is, there are some really rough situations. Um, But overall, every family has some good. Yes. And I think that um, how we, so the bringing in your personal bias, you have to be aware of that. And then thinking about when you're having conversations, whether it's the meeting after the meeting or the meeting with, you know, in the teacher lounge effect, is the difference between debriefing and gossiping, there's some like major ones, right? So debriefing is structured, focused, it's intentional. It's like the analysis of the of the situation. It says analysis of problem, but we don't want to problematize it. It's the analysis of what's happening and how we can help build those, build, you know, on the strengths, right? Um, while gossiping is quite unstructured, unfocused, lacks purpose, can be really hostile and unsafe and not necessarily unsafe to the people who are in the conversation, but unsafe for the people who the conversation is about. Right. And so when you have those more um, uh, bias or judgment based conversations, it's not focusing on family strengths. It really can create um, an, an unintentional unsafe environment the next time you're with that child or the next time you're with that family um, because of, you know, our implicit biases that are unconscious and, and fit in. So it's a constant, 
you know, work in progress mm. um, to have that debriefing, that structure and intentionality to problem solving rather than doing gossiping, which we are used to doing, right? Mm -hmm. um, and focusing on, am I gossiping? Am, am I being, if that family was standing here in, or that child was standing here in the room, would I be embarrassed at what I'm saying, right? A lot of times that's gossip. If you're debriefing, you might be okay with that family standing in the room because you're stating facts and thinking about how you're gonna problem solve with that family or child. What were you gonna say, sorry? So I was thinking that um, as teachers, as teachers and educators, we have to learn that every place is not a conversation for everything. Because sometimes I I have the venting, like I have to vent, I have to vent about the conversation. Um, but I cannot vent about a family to another teacher. Yes, I can I have to. I have to. I have to have a different space for when I was teaching. Um, it was. Hey, telling my my spouse, my husband, I'm just, I just, I gotta get this off. Like, bam, thank you for letting me get this out. Go to therapy, write in a journal, because like, and teaching and working with people and having to use like interpersonal skills, sometimes it is exhausting and frustrating. Oh my gosh, so exhausting. Uh huh. Well, you've been in a room by yourself four days. <laughs> <laughs> You, you you've been talking to you and you and your cats, but oh my god! <laughs> but um, like so you have to have a place to like to to talk to 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 unload to say, hey, the, you know, this is what happened today. This is what I'm thinking. Um, because like teaching is very emotional. You get very attached. Um. You have people and parents and 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 staff workers and like that hold you accountable and call you into conversations and it's just be exhausting. You got to have a place to have those conversations. Yeah, and sometimes your supervisor, leader, principal, whatever, can be that place that you can do it. If they if they um, I forget what it's called, but I had this conversation in one of our at work at one of our like DEIB diversity, you know, meetings. And it's like asking for consent to debrief or asking for consent. Like, are you in a space where I can, you know, vent? I just need to vent and then we can, you know, problem solve this. But I are like, are you in a place to hear me vent? It's that consent of, you know, mental overload or whatever. Um, and so sometimes your supervisors are a place for that. Um, and sometimes they're not. And sometimes they're not. Absolutely. Sometimes they are not. 100%. Sometimes it does need to be your spouse, your friend, your your dog, your journal, whatever it is, right? Your, your, um, your wine, your, your <laughs> beverage, a hot bath, some Epsom salt. <laughs> Something. Something. Um, so I'm hoping that this conversation at least has started to make all of our listeners think about like, what does it mean to debrief? What does it mean to gossip? When are you bringing in your personal biases? And when can you make sure that you're really focusing on that strengths-based approach? Lacey, any last thoughts about this? 